we can't just put our head in the sand. And I think there's an element where it's important to embrace the technology and get part of the answer on how it can be used appropriately in the classroom and for studies um, versus just trying to say, we're not gonna allow it in the rooms. Welcome to the Leadership Initiative, where we explore the art and science of leadership through thought-provoking conversations with experts, thought leaders, and change makers. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out on your leadership journey, this podcast is designed to provide you with the tools and inspiration you need to lead with purpose and make a meaningful difference. Welcome everyone. I'm Dr. Lori Kendall, a faculty member at Ohio State and the academic director for the full-time MBA program here at Fisher College of Business. We have a very special guest today. Chris Phillips is an experienced product design and technology executive with over 25 years of experience and is currently the vice president and general manager of GEO at Google. Chris leads Google's worldwide portfolio of GEO products, technology, and business, including Google Maps, Waze, Earth, Street View, and the Google Maps platform. Prior to joining Google, Chris spent over a decade in music technology at companies like SiriusXM, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Before that, Chris got his start in over 13 years at financial technology companies, companies including Intuit and Accenture. Chris holds a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration from The Ohio State University, Max M. Fisher College of Business. Chris has delivered profitable revenue growth by incubating and scaling new product offerings, as well as operating and innovating existing product portfolios. He has led the definition of product vision, roadmaps, and operations, resulting in revenue and customer engagement growth. His experience includes the creation of new products, expanding to international locales, introducing new business models and monetization methods, and entering new customer segments across business-to-consumer and business-to-business types of models. But now to really do what Chris does means engaging in customer insights and data to drive vision and delivery. He creates cohesive partnerships with internal and external stakeholders to fuel a successful business, product, and technology ecosystem. He's passionate about developing leaders and teams. He serves as an executive sponsor for diversity, equity, and inclusion in belonging in technology. Above all, Chris, Chris seeks opportunities to deliver experiences customers love, solve challenging customer technology and business problems, lead and introduce game-changing products at scale, and above all, to foster creativity, inclusion, and inspiration. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here today, particularly because today, I believe, is homecoming weekend. Since we're on technology, if we can kind of continue that vein a little bit, have to bring up AI. Have to talk about what we're all talking about is what is up with artificial intelligence. And so as a leader in technology, what's your perspective on the promises and the perils 
of generative AI and large language models. It's a super exciting space right now. And what's great is, you know, at Google and even in Maps, we have been using advanced AI techniques for many years. So we've been introducing a whole new mapping experience that I can share with you around how to experience the real world by fusing together imagery, overlaying data sets, predicting what it might be like this weekend. And should I eat at a restaurant that has outdoor seating or indoor seating? Can we take a photo and create and use neural radiance um, technology technique to actually visualize what the inside of a restaurant might feel and look like of deciding, is this a great place to go with friends or is this a couple's night? You know, that kind of stuff. So we've been building these immersive experiences and even the technology we use to understand what traffic patterns might look like. So you can have higher confidence that you're not going to miss your flight and you're going to be on time to work. These are fundamental things that we feel like we can help with. And we're using AI on that today. Now, with the introduction and all the excitement around generative AI and large language model use, it, I think it creates a huge positive opportunity. But I think about it not being just technology for technology's sake. I think about it helping very specific user needs and really helping take what could be work that someone is doing, whether it's creative or writing or things that you might spend a lot of, or even coding activities that are taking a lot of time and you can have a huge leap forward in productivity. Now, with that advancement, there are a lot of things that we have to watch out for. And it's not just Google, it's in the industry. We have to make sure that as these models are being built and trained, that we're respectful of the underlying data that we're using. We have to be careful with a generative AI model that as it hallucinates, you know, what level of factual grounding and how are you making sure that the it's understood by the end user? And there's some, you know, well, well shared examples of when a generative AI model can start to take you down a road where it's just hallucinating on the answer. And then that can be fun on some use cases when you're doing hyper-creative things. But if you're doing a fact-based job, like helping me figure out where, oh, and does that place really exist or not? It needs to be grounded on real facts. So these are kind of the exciting things that you really, the new technology introduces, I think what will be huge leaps forward. But at the same time, we have to also understand the use cases where it's most relevant. And then there'll be a lot of, how do we protect and make sure that users really understand what is fact and what is maybe um, an invention of not so much? And that's true, by the way, in imagery. You're seeing a lot of AI used in audio and imagery. And in some cases, that could be wildly um, exciting. But we have to make sure, and at Google, we're doing things to make sure people understand what was created by AI versus what was created by humans. And make sure we represent something that maybe was incubated with human activity. And as it's advanced forward with AI, we're, we're properly taking care there. So I'm really proud that we're being really diligent. And we have a whole group and working on what we call responsible AI to really use this technology to help humanity and to use it in positive ways, um, which, is, which is really, really exciting time right now. Cool. I'm going to sound like a grumpy technophobe. But many of us in higher ed are worried about the potential for large language models and technologies like Baird or Bard or like ChatGPT. 
And it makes it easier to cheat, even easier than, say, formally hiring somebody to write your essay for you. So at the risk of being that grumpy get off my lawn, uh, how, what would you recommend that we in, in higher ed think about, about responsible introductions, about responsible introductions in the use of artificial intelligence, in the use of machine learning in classrooms so that we are not sticking our heads in the sand but we're also not turning a blind eye for the potential for misuse. It's a great question. And I like where you started with that. We can't just put our head in the sand. And I think there's an element where it's important to embrace the technology and get part of the answer on how it can be used appropriately in the classroom and for studies um, versus just trying to say, we're not going to allow it in the rooms because when, when I was growing up, I didn't have Google search to kind of quickly get an answer to something. And so did that undermine the classic research methods? It just changed the classic research methods, you know? And so is plagiarism something that has always been something you worry about in the classroom? Is someone going to take an essay written by somebody else and turn it in as theirs or take something that was written and published out of a textbook or an article and pass it off as their own? That's kind of a problem that's been out there. Now the problem potentially gets accelerated. So we have to still find ways to do that. So a couple of things. These are my personal points of view, by the way. All of this is, yep. I hope it's okay. I'm not representing the company no, on this, not. but I like the challenge you're presenting. Because I was recently, um, I have two daughters. One just graduated college and the other is a senior in high school. And this year in my daughter's AP Lit class, when we met the teachers, you know, the first, they were really clear about, we are not permitting the use of these chatbots, generative AI, um, you know, in for, for, for use in writing the papers. And it is equivalent to, you know, plagiarism and equivalent to fraud effectively. And it has the consequence of continuing to be a student. So that's pretty strong warning. With that said, we know the technology will find its way in. So one of my, I have two things I would say. One is it'd be interesting for the AI that's going to be developed to be the AI that looks out for the AI. So how do teachers get the next tool that detects when AI has been used and help teachers maybe even streamline some of the work that um, ac acad you know academic professors have to deal with, like grading and reading and assessing. So maybe there's some AI to help on you detect it and even help the the um, uh, the professors kind of scale themselves. You know, that's kind of one idea. And I don't know if there's anything out there yet. There's a website called there's an AI for that.com. I'll bet someone's working on this. I don't know who, I don't have any inside scoop, but it would be interesting. The other is more fundamental. You know, um, one of the things I love to talk about when I teach people about making decisions or how do they pitch an original idea is to show your work. And, you know, we learned it way back when we were learning algebra back in the day. The teacher wasn't necessarily just interested in the answer or the output. They wanted to understand the thinking that went behind it. How did you get there? And I like to teach about you want someone to get on board with your decision. Show your work. You're going to help bring people along. They might even find a mistake. And then they now understand it and they've made it better. And I think that some of the work in AI is like, hey, here's your here's your, your paper you wrote. Did they use AI or not? I hope I can detect it. But maybe the craft advances more into help me with the thinking behind what you wrote. 
really show me your deep thinking around not just the words on the paper, but the intent underneath of it. And how did you draw that conclusion? You know, show your work more. And I wonder if some of it turns from like a really well done paper that articulates a point of view to more dissection of how you got there starts to be a way to really get at the root that we ultimately are trying to teach. It's ultimately we're trying to understand. And the AI is there to help us package it up and, you know, or help us kind of think about broader. But at the end of the day, it's it's what is the deep thinking? And maybe that's where in academia we have to kind of, and I know we're already doing that in many ways, but how do we scale that deeper why behind what you wrote? I like it. You're actually arguing for a bringing back of resuscitation and oral examination, where instead of just turning in a paper, I have to come in and talk about the paper yeah. and answer those questions of why did I think that? Where did that come from? How did that inform critical thinking? That's which is right. the cornerstone of what we're trying to accomplish in academia. Yeah, it's wild with the new technology. In many ways, it brings us forward. But then some of the fundamentals of, you know, defending your ideas or in the room now, I don't send home an essay project. I need you to write a few paragraphs in the classroom right now. And it almost feels like a throwback, but in many ways, um, it puts technology into the right use and it makes sure that we celebrate the human thinking and people really having that, that problem solving skill. Yeah, I love that. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is presented by the Max M. Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. For more episodes, find us on Apple, Google, or podcast.osu.edu forward slash leadership initiative. See you next time.